Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Friends, our second scripture reading today comes to us from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 to 12, which you can find in your pew Bible on page 4 in the New Testament section, or you can follow along uh, as well if you have your own Bible with you, you can follow along in that, or up on the, uh, as it will be up for you on the screen as well. Friends, let us listen to God's holy word and what it says to us this day. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. I believe it was the Greek philosopher Aristotle who once said, pretty well, most people are agreed what to call it. Both ordinary people and people of quality say happiness and suppose that living well and doing well are the same thing as being happy. But they are in dispute about what happiness actually is and ordinary people do not give the same answer as intellectuals. Leave it to us to not agree about what happiness is, to debate what it means to be happy. There is some underlying truth, though, in these words from Aristotle. The observation that we have the propensity to disagree about what constitutes happiness, or in our scripture reading for today, we tend to disagree about what it means to be happy blessed. On the one hand, there's a great deal of people who I believe view being blessed through a biased or some kind of other lens, understanding what it means to be blessed is just something you receive. And on the other hand, we have God's understanding of what it means to be blessed. We have God's knowledge of what it means to be blessed and what role being blessed plays in our lives. It's a conflict between our expectation to receive 
and God's expectation that we give. You heard the quote in the beginning from the Greek philosopher Aristotle. The Greek philosophers understood that being involved, or being blessed, I should say, sorry, that being blessed involved some component of morality. That being blessed was not just a trivial, not just a simple gift, but instead being blessed was a result of receiving either favor from the gods or it was someone who lived a moral life because they understood how to apply knowledge to their daily routine. Many of these philosophers who lived and died before the time of Jesus understood blessings resulted from well-gathered knowledge and living a moral life. Those who were cursed, the opposite of blessed, just in case you didn't know, fell outside of these societal norms or expectations of living a moral life that were supposed to set them on a right path. Now, this brief detour into Greek philosophy, I think, helps us understand this portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It helps us understand that blessings, the way that Jesus discusses them, requires a certain level of investment on our end. Yes, yes, the gifts of God are freely given, but what good is the divine gift? if there's no substantive response from the people of God? What good is a gift, as we might hear Jesus say later on, what good is a gift if we receive such a blessing and only hide it away under a basket to keep its light from shining? If we were to take our Bible some through the Word of God, we would discover that blessings are life-altering events. They change who we are at the very core of our being. They're markers that remind us of who created us and to whom we belong. Blessings are not just a hashtag, but they are a sign that runs contrary to the belief, the popular belief, that we are entitled to a faith that only is supposed to make us feel good. A faith that doesn't challenge us. A faith that doesn't challenge us to see the places that are hurting and broken. We hear Jesus talk today in this reading that for us to be blessed, we ourselves must be a blessing. That we ourselves must be a blessing and must be willing ourselves to empathize, to see from another perspective. So not, so not only can we be a blessing, but that those on the outside as well might be a blessing to us. If we can take that and, and let it sit with us, if we can understand what a blessing is in terms of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and how it runs opposite to the values we seem to cling to today, then what do we do with that information? If we are people who have received this gift, this blessing, 
what do we do? Why would God give us such a blessing? In part, I believe it's because it is a part of our spiritual identity. It makes up a part of who we are as people made of flesh and blood and of spirit. It is a central part to our spiritual selves that make up our external lives. In some ways, we might say that if we can understand what it means to be blessed, it's not just an action, but it is a part of our identity. And I speak about identity today in the midst of blessing because so often I was listening to something, I forget what source it was from, but they talked about how so often in our world today, it feels like we don't identify by who we are in terms of of where we see ourselves aligning with, but we see ourselves and identify ourselves as things we're not. I'm not an Android user. (laughs) That's a lighthearted one. You can fill in the blanks, though, of how so often we do tend to place, to create an identity based on the things that we are not. What if we were to change this mentality? What if we were to change this mentality and instead of identifying by the things that we are not, identify as who we actually are, as people who have been blessed by God? As people who have been blessed, but people who have been given a blessing that carries with it a calling to change the very ground beneath our feet. People who lean hard into the promises of God and the blessings of God that transform. Again, if we can understand blessing in this context of the Sermon on the Mount as being a blessing that is incorporated into every fiber of our being, then yes, we're heading on the right track. But if we do actually take to heart these blessings of Jesus and incorporate them and live them out in our daily lives, let me tell you, that is when we run into trouble. And when I say trouble, I mean good trouble. Because at least here, let me tell you, no one's going to persecute you if you run out into 6N and proclaim to follow Jesus. No one's going to persecute you for that. But what people will persecute you for, what people will persecute us for, is when we actually start to do what Jesus told us to do, which upsets the very reality, the social aspects that people have gotten so used to. It is when we proclaim the name of Jesus, God incarnate, that disrupts our current reality. That is when we run into trouble. Jesus lays the groundwork for this in his Beatitudes, in these blessings that he gives. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus is on the side of the poor. 
those who are materially, spiritually deprived, those who break their backs to earn pennies on the dollar. Jesus stands with them and calls us to make this blessing not just some future promise, but a reality. Among this era's money changers and vendors, Jesus calls us to set new priorities and that business as usual just won't cut it. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Jesus is speaking to a people who are mourning. They lost their land. They lost their home. The land promised to them by God. Jesus understands the importance of grief. And in our world today, as we experience loss and trauma, there's an urgency now more than ever for us to be a comforting presence. Blessed are the meek, Jesus says as well, for they will inherit the earth. The meek, Jesus is speaking about, are not simply those who are humble, those who are shy or quiet. It's those people who the rich and the powerful have abused, have taken advantage of. And Jesus' promise to them is that a new world order is coming, that something new is going to happen, that those who were in a position where they were oppressed will inherit the kingdom. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The prophets of God preached a message of what it meant to care for one another, to break bread, to share what they had. Contrast this to the Roman Empire of Jesus' time, who sought to keep those on the fringes of the empire just living on the bare minimum so that they could get by. They didn't want them to have enough food or water. And let me tell you today, even today, Rome does not like it when we, as the followers of Christ, feed those who are hungry and thirst. Just listen to some of the ex- stories, the examples from those perhaps on the midnight run, or those stories or those cases from other places where people have tried to feed those who are hungry and thirsty, and they're told, you can't do that here, or don't come back. Rome doesn't like that. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy, Jesus says, something else that is disruptive. We talk about grace, receiving grace, the love of God as something that's free, but so often we pinch those favors like they're pennies. We try to create this economy of grace, this economy of favors and mercy as if, as if we owe one another something in return. We hear Jesus Say the merciful will receive mercy. A goal, perhaps, for us as we continually live into the hope God has set on our hearts. Lastly, we hear Jesus talk about the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted. Again, underlying all the rest of these remaining blessings is a call to be a blessing, to not just receive to not just hoard these blessings, 
but to let them sink into who you are as a disciple of the living God and to let them change your life around. To go from Rome's penny-pinching of grace, of suppressing others, to the life-altering perspective of God's life way. The Beatitudes is a promise. It's a promise of liberation to those on the margins and to those of us on the inside who perhaps even feel trapped. It is a call that beckons each and every one of us to pull our time, our energy, our resources, to make the kingdom of God a reality here and now. They serve as a reminder that we belong to God and that our value lies not in the material, but in the fact that we are beloved and sealed in the heart of God. So friends, let us bless and let us receive blessings from those who are in the kingdom of God. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.